on the scenic route through Romans, aren't we? This rate of uh, assuming Jesus do not return, we should get through this by the time my daughter graduates. She is 15. Oh. <laughs> High school or college? She, my son asked me yesterday if he could be uh, homeschooled for college. It's like, I think you could, actually. As long as you're lifting heavy stuff and mowing, yeah, absolutely. You, therefore, verse 1, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same thing. And now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. And so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them that do the same things, do you think that you're going to escape God's judgment? In verse 4, or do you show contempt for the riches of the kindness and tolerance and the patience, not realizing that God's kindness is what leads you towards repentance? God, we are uh, digging into your word today because it's the light for our feet. It's a lamp. It, uh, all of life's questions can be answered with your word. The, the direction in our life and those things that we need answers for, if we allow your word to illuminate on it, it will bring light to us. And today we invite that uh, flashlight of your word to shine into our lives and our situations. In your name we pray. Amen. It was uh, the year 2000 when I first got introduced uh, to the judicial system of the United States of America, where you are innocent until proven guilty, uh, except that you have to pay about $350 an hour to prove uh, that you didn't do what they said you did. And it was a civil case, not a criminal case, and it's over $130,000 later we uh, won. Uh, because we, were not, we didn't do what, what was accused of us. But what I remember most was the, the judge, which appeared to be like a Muppet. I don't know how else to explain it. Like he thought there's somebody behind with string somewhere and Jim Henson has created this guy. Uh, who would, I, I swear to you, I'm not making this up, fall asleep during the proceedings. He'd sit up there and our company was called Shikari and he, was, uh, he, would, he called us Shikari. So the people in Shikari have been accused of, and it was like, literally, like, is this really happening? You know, and, and, the, and our lawyer's like, I want you in suits and ties, and those of you that have been around me know that I have a suit and tie, and you know, I had to blow the dust off of it and go in there. And, and, but what I remember the most was this, that this guy who's a judge had to learn everything about what our industry was, what we were being accused of, not just the facts of the case, but just the facts that surround what goes on in a case like this and in this industry. And so this guy is trying to weed through all of this stuff and make a decision based on that. And interestingly enough, he, he ruled in our favor, but as I look back on it, I'm thinking, not really for the reasons he should have. Like we won, but not because of why we should have won. Like he didn't understand the entire premise of the case. And I guess what I remembered thinking was, huh, I guess I should be happy anyway. Part of me that wanted to be vindicated. I went, go, no, 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 you understand, Judge Wapner. It was, true. it was different than that. It was... But what Paul is offering to us here in Romans 2 is don't judge because, it, as he said here, that Jesus, when he judges, he does it according to truth. But you, on the other hand, you're going to judge according to what you know about a situation. 
You're going to judge based on emotion because you're mad or you're sad or what. And so it's all clouded. And so knowing who we are, he's saying, you just don't even worry about that. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. So let God do the judging and let me do the loving. I'm just going to love and reach out to. And as I thought through this, there's always a why behind the what in what the Lord says to us. Always. And what is it that is so important about judging? You like that? Uh, because he does say don't judge here, but then Jesus would also then say, so Matthew 5, I think, is where he says, uh, judge not lest you be judged. And if you're a teenager, you've recited that one, maybe even to your parents. And you hear it all over our society. But Jesus would then say a few verses later, hey, but beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. So it isn't that we can't identify what's going on. There's a judgment that involved that we're allowed to do, that we're required to do. But when we are judging based upon condemnation, which is what Paul is talking about, that's a, a judgment of separation. That's what Jesus is going to do at the end of time. He's going to say, you go over here and you go over here. He's going to divide the sheep from the goats. And so when I am doing this role, I am jumping out of the accused stand, the, uh, the plaintiff, or no, the defendant's stand, and I'm jumping into the judge's spot and saying, I got this one, God. It's, a, it's an act of defiance, but it's, I don't have faith that God can take care of this one. Or worse, I jump into the accuser chair, which is one that's occupied by Satan and trying to take his role in the life, when we're all basically defendants just waiting for our shot to stand before the Father. And so, to, you know, my, uh, where I grew up, and this is a little crass, but it, I've never forgotten it, is the old saying, know your role, shut your hole. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that, that, was, and that was Nebraska. We didn't know any better. But it was... That's, just know what our role is, which is as the accused, not as the judge itself. Jesus, it says, is going to rule according to truth. And when I look around a room, and I know many of you, and I know your stories, you know me, you know my story, you know what I do well, what I don't do well, vice versa, and so the tendency would be for me or you to make judgment calls based on that. And where we get in real trouble is when we move it from I'm just identifying the situation to I am now cutting off and separating between you and me. And this can happen in multiple situations in our lives. It happens most often or maybe most notably in our church lives because I'm going to judge somebody because they didn't do what I wanted to do they didn't believe the way that I wanted them to believe vice versa and so what I end up doing is instead of uniting us together I'm dividing us I'm cutting down the middle saying this is me and this is you and so in our just interpersonal theological thing that happens all the time Today, our, our young people are discussing the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism. And what my goal today, when I communicated with Rob and Jim, is, is the realization that this is not about drawing a line in the sand as to, this one's right and you're wrong. Or, because that's what, I mean, you go on the internet, you can see it all the time. I mean, I think it was said this week, Facebook is a place where you can say something that you would never say to someone's face. And so there's this judgment thing of, well, I'm a reformed guy and everybody else is wrong or vice versa. And so this 
cordoning off, this dividing happens on a theological level. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, he said that when I came to you at church at Corinth, I just came to you with Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't come to you with fancy words and flattery and all this great theological depths. It was just with Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he would go on to say in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 1 that we're the body of Christ. And he talks about thumbs and, you know, fingers and toes and, and says that we're all together and that there ought not to be any schisms in the body of Christ. And a schism sounds like something that's going to make you, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I had a schism in my neck. But that's not what it was. It was cutting off its amputation. That there not be any amputations in the body of Christ. And in our body, individually on a local level, you might be the kind of person that's like, look, dude, I am the pointy finger. And you're not going anywhere without me. Have you been on an elevator? Do you understand what I do for you in a day? When you need to go a certain direction, I got gotcha. you. And then you've got the thumb, the opposing view, right? The opposable appendage. What good is a thumb? And the thumb, chop me off, the thumb might say, and then try to eat a plate of nachos without me. The opposable view oftentimes is what holds together the truth in the middle. Whether it's Armenianism and Calvinism, sometimes it's in the paradox, right in the middle where the pressure happens where Jesus meets. Because I'll tell you what we got to watch out for is the what about this theology. It's the, well, what about choose you this day whom you will serve? Well, what about he is a predestined and foreknew you? They're both in scripture. So instead of me building a camp and building a wall saying you can't come in here unless you are in my camp and my wall, is to recognize that we're all on the same page, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 1.10, that we're one body with no schisms, no amputations, and the same page of the gospel, which is 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, resurrected on the third day, just as the scriptures foretold. We can agree on that, and it's as simple as that, so I don't have to build a wall. Another wall, another cutoff, so to speak. And this is really risky because we're in an election year. My guy versus your guy. My political system versus your political system. Paul didn't say in Romans 1 that I am not ashamed of the government of Rome, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God unto salvation. I don't care whose guy wins. It's not the power of God unto salvation. I think when we get to heaven, we will be able to look back, and maybe this is why God allows it the way it goes down. I don't know. It says that the government will be on his shoulders. So I'm going to be able to look at him who's going to set up shop and be in charge and be the man. Keeping in mind, I'm still going to have the ability to choose. I have the ability to decide one way or the other. But I can look at 6,000 years of human history and say, you know what? We pretty much uh, suck at governing because we're humans. And every which way but loose we're going to mess it up. And so I won't have to have any arguments saying, look, we tried it our way, dude. Capitalism, socialism, communism, Marxism, all the isms, and then the democracies, and all those things that we wanted, but when there's humans involved, it'll never be perfect. And so instead of me cutting off and saying, no, 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 I'm cutting this off because you're not my guy, or you don't vote for my guy, Jesus, when he was on his way to Jerusalem in Luke 9, 54-ish, they were going through Samaria, and the local town government said, they're headed to Jerusalem, they're going right through this town, and they wanted to go through this town, but the local government officials rejected him. Said, no, no, you can't come through our town. 
And his disciples said, hey, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them? And look, I've, I'm with you. I've seen it. Thinking you know, right now, just God do that thing with it. You know, they're talking about abortion again. Just hit the button. Just do the thing. Mike Myers. What is the movie where you, the button falls and they fall behind the chair? And the, uh, Austin Powers. Wow. Just Austin Powers them. But Jesus says, no, no, no. You've got it all wrong. That's why it's better that I judge and you don't. Because you're going to get mad and you're going to say something dumb and you're going to cut them off. I came, he said in Luke 9, 54, to, to seek and to save the lost, not destroy them. When I am cutting them off, I am deciding where the lines are. I'm deciding where I can reach out to and I cannot reach out to. There's this idea that the gates of hell shall not prevail against them is that that's the gate on the way into the church. He never once told us to build a gate, build a wall, and to cut people off. He said to go to them, and the enemy is going to try to cut you off. Great news, the gates of hell won't prevail against you as you go. When you go to NASCAR, there are gates of hell that are meant to keep, you know, withstand and withhold you, but they won't prevail against what you are called to do there. We just had it backwards by cutting them off. We can cut people off in judgment in our own families. Parents, especially as your kids get older, you might get angry at your child because they didn't do what you wanted them to do. And let's be honest, most times it's just I'm hurt because they rejected me and I get angry. And so then I cut them off emotionally. I'm mad at them, so I'm not going to talk to them. The silent treatment. In our marriages, that can happen. I'm, I'm making a judgment. I'm judging that this is wrong and this is this. It's not fair. And I'm cutting them off. Emotionally, relationally. And the Bible tells us to, Ephesians 6, and I think it's Colossians 3.21, to, parents, don't provoke your children to anger. And Ephesians says, but to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It doesn't mean that we can't have conversations and be stern and set boundaries, but you know the difference, and you know it if I'm saying it to you, that if you blow your stack and lose your cool, at your spouse, at your kids, you are judging them and cutting them off. Saying that I am jumping up into the judge's chair now instead of allowing the Lord to work in that situation, cutting them off. You guys can let the Lord speak to your hearts in different ways. Are there other areas of your life where where we cut people off, where we are judging them. And it's funny because it's real easy to say judge not lest you be judged when I'm talking about some ethereal thing in L.A., when I'm talking about the dude in D.C. that just makes me mad. But when a judge not lest ye be judged comes home, it's still true. The gospel is true in every situation or it's not true at all. And at home where it counts, at church where we are surrounded by each other and by the gospel, it counts. I do not need to get into the judgment chair to throw rocks at my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, to throw rocks at brothers and leaders and to cut them off because I have decided that I got this one. Instead of just saying, Lord, I trust that you got it. I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. But it's your job to judge. My job is to be kind because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I look to what Paul is saying here, and I've, I'm going to jump ahead uh, Jonathan, just for the sake of time, we're racing the clock. 
when I look to the end, it's like, what is the situation? If it's not division, okay, we know that it's not to be division. It's not to be amputation. It's not to be uh, schisms in the body of Christ. What we do know is what Paul says here when he is talking to the Jews, to the Hebrews. And he says, verse 25 of chapter 2, circumcision has a value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. And if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? And the one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, even though you have the written code and circumcision uh, are, and are a lawbreaker. And verse 28, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart. And by the spirit, not by the written code, such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. We want to cut people off. Cut them away. Divide them off from who we are and where we are. And what Paul is saying here is, you need to look a little closer to home when, before you start cutting. Because there's another type of cutting, a cutting away of the flesh. God would tell Abraham in Genesis, wouldn't he, that there's a, this is a sign. Imagine if you're Abraham, awesome, I'm going to get a sign from God. Is it going to be a crown? Is it going to be this big palace? And God's like, mm, a little further down. And you got if you're Abraham, you're like, uh, whoa, whoa, back up. Excuse me? You want me to what? Seriously? It was going to be a sign. It was going to be an identification of who he was that made them different from the others, an identification. And it was also an illustration. Ezekiel 44, 7, it speaks of the circumcision of the heart, that your heart would be open, tender. Exodus 6 talks about a circumcision of the ears. Jeremiah 6 would talk about a circumcision of the lips. I might have got those two backwards. I did. And I know if you're a guy right now, you're like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever heard a sermon say, or a preacher say. God was saying it's not just an outward thing, it's an inward thing. That it was an outward sign of something that happened inside of us. That you ought to have your mouths circumcised so that you are speaking with kindness and with gentleness. That your ears are circumcised because you're listening with compassion. And that your heart is circumcised in that you can then feel with compassion and love. It's not an outward thing, it's an inward thing. And so when I'm gonna start trying to cut somebody off, the Lord is saying, look, I appreciate your enthusiasm. I got this one handled. Start closer to home and cutting away the flesh of your heart, the fleshly tendencies of anger and of bitterness and resentment and allow your heart to become open and loving and your ears to listen with compassion and your mouth to speak with kindness and tenderness. It's not an outward thing, it's an inward thing. And our picture 
as uncomfortable as it might be, is what God is asking for, this is the big moment, is a total eclipse of the heart. You can pay, pay later for that one. <coughs> Look, I know you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so going to another church next week. If you do, if you do, don't ever forget this picture. I thought I'm not going to do this. Like, well, look, they'll never forget this one. To be tender in your heart, to not cut away them, but to cut away my fleshly tendencies. Judgment says I want to separate. I want to cut them off. Love says it's his kindness that leads me to repentance. If my job and my goal is to be the gospel, to preach, to uh, be Jesus, to love, then I don't have to judge them. I need to love them and trust that God can take care of that. There's a story that I think sums it up beautifully. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 24. David had been pursued by Saul forever. He hadn't done anything wrong. And he was angry and he was hurt. And Saul kept coming at him and throwing at spears at him and chasing him. And Saul had gone into a cave in the desert of En Gedi and fallen asleep. And David had come upon this scene and had, his men were saying, go in there and kill him. Cut his head off. And David couldn't do that. He ended up just cutting off what was the, the corner of his garment and got away. And it says that David's heart was rent, that he felt horrible. His conscience was eating him alive because he had cut off the fringe of his garment. In Numbers 15, we're told what that fringe was. It's called the zitziat. It was, uh, the Lord told them to put these zitziats on the uh, corners of your robes. They would speak of righteousness, of the promises that I've given to you. They're to be blue, which sounds great if you have a Joanne's fabric down the street. But they didn't. They had to go to the sea. They had to get these mollusks. Is that the right way to say that? Sea people? Mollusks that could create blue. And it would take 12,000 of these bad boys to make one thimble full of the blue. And they would use that to color these blue. And the more blue strands you had, the more wealthy you were. The more powerful, the more prestigious your life was. Which is why Jesus would say to the Pharisees, you are, you know, you are uh, vile, you're expanding the borders of your garments. He was accusing them of flaunting their power. They were flaunting because their zitziats would have been covered. It would literally, one thimbleful in today's economy would have been $96,000. And the Pharisees, they would tie knots in them around, and they had, uh, if you were a great Pharisee, would have 613 of them. It spoke of all of the literal laws that you could keep. It told your story of who you were, and Jesus said, look, that ain't going to cut it. It's why I think that when Ruth went to Boaz and she said to be under, I want to be under the hem of your garment or the fringe of your garment, and it sounds like she's making a move on him, but what it was was she wanted to be under his covering under his protection, under his story, because under the zitziat was the story of who he was, his power, his family, his history. When Jesus returns in Revelation 19, it says that on his legs will be written, King of Kings on one and Lord of Lords on the other. May or may not be a tattoo. I think it might be his garment 
When you're riding a horse, it's going to hike up a little bit. And on the legs around there, the zitziat would be the story of who he is, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when David went in and cut off the fringe of his garment, it wasn't about him just getting a piece of fabric and making a run for it. He was making a statement. I am cutting you down a notch. I am showing that I have the power and you don't. And God caused David his, his conscience and he wept. And he, so when Saul came to him and David finally, it says he bowed down and said, I didn't kill you, I haven't done anything wrong. But he said this, may the Lord judge between you and me. David's saying, I was gonna, I'm the guy that was going to judge you, but I realized that is wrong. I'm going to let the Lord take care of that. And the Lord did judge Saul. Just like he can take care of your situation as well. Darren, what does this have to do with anything? David knew that Saul was anointed. He said he's anointed. He's the anointed man of God. And his men were like, David, no, no, you're the guy. You're anointed. You had like a whole bucket of oil and Saul only got like a little bit. But David understood that when God had anointed not only people, he also anointed instruments. That there would be instruments anointed in the temple to do the temple work. Saul was God's anointed instrument in David's life to cut away the flesh of his heart. I know you guys, and I know this. I know that you have prayed, God make me more pure. God make me more patient. God, I'm tired of this life, the way I live it. I want to be more fulfilled. I want to be closer to you. Whatever you've prayed, I know that you've prayed for God to change you. And I would suggest to you this morning that sometimes the tendency for me to cut off that person, that situation, that church leader, that thing that is hurting me, is me saying I am rejecting God's chosen anointed instrument in my life to make me stronger, more peaceful, full of faith. Because think about it, when you're going through that circumstance, that situation, you're a lot closer to the Lord, aren't you? My tendency is to pray more because I want to get closer to him because I don't know how to handle this one. This is above my pay grade. And God's anointed instrument in your life might be, might be your spouse. And I want to cut him off. Emotionally, he is unavailable. He doesn't this or that or the other way around. She doesn't love me like she used to, so I'm cutting her off. And in reality, what we can do is then go to the Father and get those things that I'm trying to get from my wife that she was never created to give me anyway. God's chosen instrument in our life sometimes is our spouses. Sometimes the chosen instrument is a church leader. It doesn't mean you have to stay and take abuse and... But it does mean that you have to not cut them off. And understand when I say cut them off. Whenever I speak, I think, okay, what are, what's going to be misunderstood this morning? <laughs> what could potentially be misunderstood is I'm in an abusive relationship emotionally or physically or whatever, and so I need to stay there and take it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the cutoff is I'm cutting off in your heart. There's a, a, a hatred an anger, a bitterness, and suddenly your heart is now covered and cut off from 
them from the outside world, maybe from other relationships, because I don't want to risk again, because I don't want to get hurt, because I know how that goes. And my encouragement this morning is to say to you, to me, to allow our hearts for the flesh to be cut off, for there to be a circumcision, if you will, that we can be open, that we can be loving and tender to those around us. And that if there is a situation in your life that is a boss that might be a jerk, that's a co-worker that might just be a huge pain in your rear end, throwing spears at you, throwing lies, hurling lies at you. If it resonates with you this morning, maybe what we ought to do, what you ought to do, what I ought to do is say, I trust you, Lord. You judge between me and thee. And I am going to let my heart be uncovered. I'm going to let my ears begin to hear with compassion and my mouth to speak with love and tenderness and to let you take care of that one. And I know it's hard. I know that in a marriage, you've been married a long time, and sometimes it's just, it's just hard. We don't get along so good sometimes. And our opportunity is just to say, God, I'm going to let you take care of that. I'm not going to judge him or her to the point of separation, to the point of division, to cutting them off. No, I'm going to look closer to home and figure out where my heart, where I need to cut away, where the flesh has grown over that I need to just let it go. And I hope you never forget that mental picture because God gave it to you. If you don't like it from me, you can talk to him. He's the one that created it. I'm sure Abraham had some questions as well. But trust that God's anointed instrument in your life that when I turn to judge, I put my flint knife down and pick up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, whatever the lies are in these situations that I'll divide between my soul and spirit with that and let the Lord take care of the rest. Don't judge. It's just, we're not very good at it. I'm terrible at it. You know how many bands I could have signed that I didn't because I didn't think they were very good that went on to sell a million records? I'm just not very good at it. And neither are you. Let the Lord who judges with truth judge in our lives. And we can go about just loving, bringing people to repentance, inviting them into the kingdom of God. We're going to worship for just a little bit longer. Worship, you might think, is just about singing. If you Googled worship, you would not be, uh, you, you, you can see why you'd think that. Three million hits about music. But worship is bringing something behind, that I, leaving it behind, something valuable, and I'm leaving it behind. And today it might be your pride, it might be your anger, it might be your bitterness, it might be your hurt. Anger is a secondary emotion, I understand that. It's because you're hurt and it made you mad. Leave your hurt behind at the the cross, what better place to do it than by participating in the Lord's Supper. He said, take this body, be broken for you, and drink. This is my blood that was spilled and washed away your sins. To go before the, the Lord and to say, I'm going to participate in this, saying that I, your body was broken so that mine doesn't have to, and so that his or hers doesn't have to either. Father, I am... Uh, 
inviting you into my life personally to show me the places and the areas where I have yet to cut away the flesh, the anger, the hurt, the bitterness, the, the thing that I'm just holding on to. That I, show me where it is with your word, the truth of it, and that I can then use your word to cut away the flesh. And I'll let you handle the situation that I have no control over anyway. Show each and every one of us, Lord, there's, if there's a place uh, in our heart, if it's deep, if it's in our ears, the way that I can't even listen to that guy anymore because it makes me so mad, or my mouth because I can't even speak to that person without even just losing my cool. Cut that away from me today, Lord. Some of us, it's with our kids. Some of us, it's with our spouse or coworkers. You know it, Lord, and you can speak to us individually. You don't need my help. Speak to us today. Begin to cut away. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand with us. As Darren was talking, I was thinking how we'd end.